Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hi, my friend. Hi, Jillian. How are you today? I'm great. You, you know what? you got this little sparkle lately. Uh, I, I've been feeling really well. I don't know why. Well, spread it around, girl. I do know why. I've had a really uh, relaxing summer. Lovely. And it hasn't been pain-free by any stretch of the imagination, but I've done some really good processing. Awesome. And I think I've given myself permission to just enjoy my life. Does that sound bad? Yes. No, it does. It sounds good because that's what we're trying to get our listeners to do. So you need to live it, girl. Okay. I'm living it. Did you give yourself, you gave yourself permission, remember last week, Mm -hmm. to be fun and goofy? Yeah. Did you live it out? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I had to live mine out too, which was to be vulnerable so people could see my inner world. Yes. Oh, my poor husband. (laughs) (laughs) I think he probably wishes he had his motorcycle helmet and his earplugs, earplugs in. in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, it's all good. No, it's all good. I, because you know what? We just celebrated 38 years of marriage. Wow, so wow, if he wow. doesn't know my inner world by now, yeah, well. And if you can't be safe with him <laughs> to show your inner world. True. Yeah. And that's part of, I think, the reason why your marriage has lasted as long as it has and it's so healthy is because both of you are able to show the true inner self to each other. Plus, you do the same thing as my permission slips to myself, which is have fun and be goofy. We do a lot of that. You laugh a lot. Yes, which it balances off the vulnerability and in the inner world. Yeah. Of oh, both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And we have worked hard on ourselves. Yeah. No doubt about that. You totally have. So what are we talking about today? Well, you know, we, we, we talk often about the safe space. Yes. Uh, and I thought, you know, it'd be good to talk about what that means for ourselves and for others, but especially how we can create it for others. And it's going to be a kind of a little bit of a backwards, or it's going to feel backwards focused because if it's almost starting with creating a safe space for ourselves, that then comes out in our ability to create a safe space for others because we can't give what we don't have. And this is, I think this is the big message of our podcast. Right. And the reason why we're giving you kind of this therapeutic piece as well as the life coaching piece, because if it it doesn't start in us, it's not going to get out of us. Right. To others. Yep. Um, You know, there's that old phrase, you know, physician heal thyself. Mm -hmm. You can't give to others what you haven't already lived and experienced yourself. That's right. Right? And so so this may be a difficult conversation for people who are, uh, who have been traumatized or experienced rejection or haven't felt that deep sense of safety and connection with others. And so I don't, I don't want to talk about this lightly for people who are listening, but I also want to give them hope because we are wired for connection. Uh, Connection actually is part of how we begin to experience safety and it's a felt experience. It's not, I can't just say to you, well, like, just be safe for me because uh, you could be acting in ways that you think are safe for me, but I don't feel safe. Right. So it's something that I need to, again, go back internally and discover for myself. And part of that may mean the work of processing through difficult experiences that we've had that have shaken our sense of safety. I want to stop you right there because I'm, I'm hearing all that, but 
the word that I've heard a lot, the phrase that I've heard a lot um, over mental health issues has been this um, phrase, felt sense. Mm-hmm. Can you just unpack that a little bit? So I, you did a little bit there, right. but just maybe a little bit more so that phrase, felt sense, can really resonate within us. Right. Well, um, if you think about the the typical North American uh, Western thinking is we're pretty heady. Yes, it's all about our thoughts and our rational being. And while that is really great, we can't forget that we're also emotional beings uh, and also physical beings, and they all interact together. And in fact, in our brain, our very first um, response is actually an emotional response. And then our rational brain kind of steps in and begins to interpret that for us. Okay. And then our body re- responds. Now, having said that, our body actually, research has been showing, is is the part that feels it. So the the emotional trigger or the, the, you know, amygdala response shows in our body. So when we feel anxious, where do you feel it? In the pit of your stomach, right. tightness in your throat, whatever it is. So, um, so it's not enough that I say to my brain, you are safe. I actually need to uh, in, uh, convince my body and my emotions that I am safe. So that felt experience is the entirety of that. So good. Okay, that's really good. There's, It reminds me there's an Irish expression. There's always an Irish expression for everything. Yeah, there is. But the Irish expression is... And there's a Jillian expression I know, well, true. But the Irish expression is better felt than felt. Yeah. Which means for me to feel it and experience it mm-hmm. is truer mm-hmm. than you telling me or right. me, me even telling myself. Right, right. Right. Yeah, and it's sometimes very hard to articulate that felt sense. Of course. But you certainly can feel it. And, and this is where I see a lot of um, relationships break down because, say, one of the partners is feels like he or she's doing a really great job in caring for their, their partner, but the other partner is saying, I feel so disconnected, I don't feel close to you, and they're just kind of like scratching their head as, and what am I doing wrong? And that goes back to that felt sense. And right. it takes time to kind of... Uh, break it down. Uh, so recognize if you're listening and you're an adult now, this whole felt sense thing is a combination of uh, your longings uh, and your wiring, but also gets filtered significantly through your early childhood experiences um, of attachment or lack thereof. And we've done a podcast on attachment before, I think in season one, if you want to Yeah, go and there's that. a lot of good information on attachment, yeah. which, which we referenced in the past. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and if you're interested in it and this is new to you, I would really strongly encourage you to do some work with a qualified psychotherapist who understands attachment theory. Uh, if you have struggled with feeling that felt sense of safety. So we're not going to go down that road because that's a whole podcast, uh, but let's talk about it more in terms of what we're talking about, which is creating that safe space. Great. So I'm going to read you this quote. Sure. Because you and I have been talking about um, uh, this Brene Brown book, and uh, well, I found this quote the other day, which I shared with you, and that created some conversation between the two of us. Mm-hmm. So the quote is, From the emotions we feel and the strange thoughts we have to the weird and glorious ways in which our bodies work, demystifying and normalizing are two of our most powerful parenting tools for raising children with high levels of shame resilience, Mm. creating safe and brave spaces for all of the conversations and questions is a key. And I like that really jumped out at me because 
for me, it was like, okay, how do we create these safe and brave spaces Mm-hmm. for our conversations with ourselves, with our conversations with each other, mm-hmm. and then, of course, with our conversations and questions within our own families. Right. And if there's ever a time in history mm-hmm. where kids will have lots of, and we're going to get to the parenting thing a little bit later, but where kids would have lots of conversations mm-hmm. and questions, mm-hmm. it would be this time in history. Right. I I I, I love that. I think that the... Um, concept of safety uh, goes back to what we talked about uh, last episode around belonging. Yeah. And, um, you know, Brene Brown uh, in her book, Braving the Wilderness says, true belonging doesn't require that we change who we are. It requires that we be who we are. Right. So I think that's a, a huge element of safety is that I can show up and be myself fully with all of my warts. And I know that I'm accepted. Uh, that's I think that's really important. And of course, safety isn't something that uh, I can always control around me, but safety is something that I can carry with me. That is a massive thing to say right now, because yeah. I think all of us are feeling a little bit fragile, yeah, um, a little out of control, mm-hmm. because our circumstances and environment mm-hmm. and world mm-hmm. feels very unsafe and unpredictable. Right. And unsure at this time. Right. And we have so little control over it. And so if we continue looking outside for that sense of safety, uh, it just doesn't happen. So again, that internal locus of, of control, control versus the about. external locus of control. Right. So we keep doubling back to that because we're building each week yeah. on these themes. Yeah. And belonging to myself means that I accept myself. I like myself. And as long as I can hold on to that, and I can also hold on to, to me as a follower of Jesus, that he adores me and made me as I am. And based on that, like, I'm pretty awesome. You are pretty awesome. Well, thank you. But then if I'm taking that sense of awesomeness into the world with whomever I'm interacting with, and if they say bad things to me or about me, and I'm centered in that sense of awesomeness as God has created me to be, then I can stay pretty stable in that. And so I can create safety for myself. And safety for myself means that self-acceptance, but it also means that I have very clear awareness of boundaries. Yes. So if I'm with somebody that uh, I know is going to gossip about me or is going to say unkind things to me, or I sense that there's something going on there, then I have the choice to not open up to the degree that I may with somebody who's safe like yourself. Yeah. And we talked about this in the previous episode where not everyone's going to get you mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Um, In and fact, they absolutely won't and stop trying to chase that. Yeah. And I, I mean, loud and clear for the nines and the, the Enneagram nines, mm-hmm. stop trying to get everyone's acceptance and approval and like, like they're like, what do you call that? You being liked by them. Yeah. Because you're not going to achieve that in life. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's faulty. Possible. Yeah. I used to do this really weird exercise, which is kind of a funny exercise, but you know, part of the challenge of exposing yourself to the world in doing public speaking and working with people is um, people are going to be disappointed in you. So I used to wake up every morning and say to myself, okay, somewhere in the world today, (laughs) someone doesn't like me and I'm okay with it. Good. I like that. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Like, 
And so you're I, like a cat. I well, you know we, you know, like the golden retriever is trying to win everyone's approval in the room. Have yes. you seen that? Yes. The cat walks in and goes. Okay. I don't care if you don't like That's me. That's right. And just walks out. That's right because I think I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you're rare. <laughs> rare. Well, okay. I love golden retrievers, so I want to be both. Okay. But uh, yeah. Um, and what I was doing was I was learning to tolerate. The, the truth that people don't, uh, uh, not everybody likes me. And I was actually going, hey, I can handle it. It doesn't feel good, but the more I tolerate it, the more I develop a thicker skin to that. Well, the other thing too is I don't like everybody. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't come out right. <laughs> that didn't come out right. But I, I'm not going to walk into a room and like everyone of in course. that room. Of course. So why would I think that everyone's going to like me? I know. Exactly. Exactly. So what does um, safety mean for you as an eight and just as in your life experience? Um, safety for me as an eight means that people get me, that people love me anyway, that people accept me, mm -hmm. uh, bumps and warts and foibles and all. And I feel safe when I'm vulnerable with those people. Mm. That's, that's what safety feels like to me. Yeah. And that's for me a very small group of people and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a large number of people, but no. you need at least one person who's your person. And fortunately, I've got I've You've got, got my person, but I've also got my person's persons. Yes, <laughs> you got a lot of persons, <laughs> more than you think. <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, it's the same thing. Um, I was just having a thought that <laughs> you know I have now lost, but it's coming. Um, the, the whole thing about caring safety. Oh, I know what I was going with it. You know, what I had said about caring safety within myself yeah. is even people who are my safe people, they're not always safe in the sense that they can be sometimes thoughtless or just not paying attention. And so the thing that's really powerful is if I am the one who's taking care of my own heart and my heart belongs to me, and if you've done something or said something that has been hurtful and my heart feels kind of damaged, yeah. then I have the ability to take my heart back and be able to say, you know what, I'm going to hold my heart right now because it hasn't felt safe with you. And when we can reestablish that safety, then the heart comes back to you. So for example, if I'm having a fight with my husband right. and we're saying unkind things to each other, then it makes perfect sense for me to take my heart back. Now yep. in my mind, I know he adores me and he does not want to hurt me and he has my back, right. but I can acknowledge I feel hurt right now. And so I'm not going to let my heart be held vulnerably in his hands when he's kind of not being nice. Yeah. Which is boundary setting, exactly. right? Exactly. So I think that's really, really good. I was thinking about that because, um, so uh, in our relationship, the two of us together, you and I, uh, there are times where, you know, I, I even told you the other day, I said I feel really fuzzy. Yes. Like I've, I've had a couple of sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. I feel fuzzy. So when I say that to you, mm -hmm. it also gives you permission to go, she might check out on me today a bit. Yes. Right? Because yes. she's feeling fuzzy. She's feeling tired. Yeah. And so if she checks out on me, mm -hmm. it's not that she doesn't like me or love me or she's not safe for me any longer. She just doesn't have it today to give me. Right. And so that's an excellent point because if I'm going to create safety for you, it also means that I've got to be honest with you about what's going on inside of me. That's right. Yeah. And to say to each other, you know, I'm not at my best today. Right. 
I'm, you know, I'm stressed about this or I'm just feeling off or mm-hmm. when we say that to each other, it gives permission to, to the other to kind of go, oh, well, maybe I'm not going to get into that deep conversation about this thing today. Yeah. No, I think that's great. So that's a way to create a safe space for ourselves and others mm-hmm. is to be honest about where we're at in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So be honest about who you are. Yeah. Be honest about where you're at. And then, you know, of course, try to do it with as much kindness as possible. Um, I think providing a safe space for others absolutely must include empathy. Yes. Uh, uh, Empathy isn't the same thing as sympathy, uh, because empathy is actually about entering into your pain and being able to say, I want to be with you. That that quote that you said last episode about walking home. Yeah, we're just walking each other home. We're all just walking yeah, each other home. It's that, that you know, I, I can be present with you. I, I may not be able to fully understand it because the, your experience is unique, but I can accept and, and, and feel your pain and hold it on your behalf. You know, and when we talk about um, in our corporate work, when we're equipping people to deal with tough situations, we encourage them to think in a non-judgmental stance, yeah. which is, you know, I believe you're doing the best with what you've got available to you today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we create safe space for each other, we're also acknowledging mm-hmm. that we're all walking down a road Absolutely. and your road and my road are different some days. Yours yeah. can be very bumpy, whereas I'm skipping along looking yeah. at sunsets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have both yeah. and hold the space for both. Yes, I love that. That is so important. Um, and I would add with empathy, and I've said this before, but I want to reinforce that empathy has been shown to be the most important ingredient to calm a dysregulated mind and emotion, to give per, a people a felt sense of safety. Um, so they've done studies where just by the mere presence of a safe or, or an empathetic person standing next to a person not saying a thing, uh, whatever task that person has in front of them suddenly seems manageable. So empathy says to you, I can't take away your pain. I can't um, even solve your problem for you. But by my being with you, um, perhaps your capacity or resilience to face whatever dragons you have to face today just gets that much stronger. Amazing. I will give a little story about the golden retriever because okay. I slammed golden retrievers. That You know, that's never mine. No, because you adore them. Ugh. But I'm, I'm just going to give you a little picture. So in, um, in victim services where you have a, a child that has to testify in court mm-hmm. and, you know, they're not allowed to have anybody in the box with them or, right. or maybe they're doing video testimony and they're in a room and they're giving testimony. They now have court support dogs for victim oh, I services. I love that. And the dog is with that child and that felt presence, that felt sense of just having another another living being in your corner with you in the difficult stuff mm-hmm. is enough to help get you through it, to give your testimony, mm-hmm. to regulate your heart rate, to mm-hmm. regulate your blood pressure. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's incredible. I love that. Yeah. So and then know, golden retrievers are so non-threatening. I mean, they just and non-judgmental. non-judgmental. I mean, they're just taking you as and you they're are. Fuzzy and they're warm and and it's not just all golden retrievers. There's lots of other ones right. too. But you know, yes. yeah. I digress. Yes. Anyway, just felt presence is a huge thing. So yeah. creating a safe space for ourselves and others may just be sitting with each other in it. That's right. 
and doing it with just this open-hearted, empathetic, I don't have to give you answers. In fact, a lot of times when we try to give each other answers, we shut down that sense of safety because then that person feels like there's pressure or they're controlled or they're being shoulded into doing something that they may not be prepared to yeah. do at that point. So just know that just your presence sometimes mm-hmm. is bigger and better than your words. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, like talking about what we can do for... like The work that we do um, as women sometimes can be really hard to see the purpose of it, but I just want to tell the listeners, I want you to know that the work you do is so important, not just for yourself, but if you have kids, it's huge for your kids. Mm. And, um, you know, this is such a tough season for our kids. And resilience, we've talked about this before, comes very much from that sense of safety you're able to create for them. And I don't mean this in the, you're going to protect them from all the bad parts of the world. You're going to give them that internalized sense of connection a sense of confidence that they can get through because they're not alone. That's right. And a sense of um, a perseverance through tough things because they can handle it. And so, so actually, it's that feeling of home. If you can yes. be home for your kids. Yes. Which, you know, really, it's been kind of forced on us because of social distancing. But right. I have talked to family after family that uh, after the adjustment, and yes, of course, more stress, more work, et cetera, et cetera, as families have been able to intentionally spend time together just bonding, and the kids have thrived as a result. Yeah, But I think f- to raise our kids to have this sense of belonging and high, high levels of shame resilience it really requires that we deal with our own shame, our own self-rejection. It requires that we do the hard work of becoming fully ourselves, showing up as our true self, uh, and that we also model vulnerability, transparency, and humility as we deal with the messy work of being human and just trying to become the best versions of ourselves. So parents, Mm. you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. Um, You just need to be a growing person who can be self-aware, self-reflective, and transparent with your kids. Now, I'm not saying you use them as your therapist and tell them all your problems, but you can let your kids know, you know, mom's, mom's having a bad day today. And um, and being able to talk them through that and just being able to model that is so yeah. important. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, you had this incredible quote um, that I think, like, it, it's amazing to me. Because when we are there for our kids, when we're home for our kids, sometimes it's easy to lose ourselves in that role. Mm-hmm. How do we show children our full self? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the quote from um, Viola Davis, and she's an unbelievable um, actor. Mm -hmm. And she comes from a history with a lot of trauma. And so she is a wise woman who has lived it and has become a better person as a result. And this is a beautiful quote that she says, I will not be a mystery to my daughter. She will know me and I will share my stories with her, the stories of failure, shame, and accomplishment. She will know she's not alone in this wilderness. Wow. Isn't that powerful? I mean, like, kids know pretty quickly, and certainly during COVID, they probably have learned sooner than later that life has struggles. Life is not perfect. There is suffering in this world and there's pain. And so what she says 
she will know she's not alone in this wilderness. That's what I want for my kids. I want my kids to know that they're not alone in this wilderness of life. Um, And you're not this Dr. Mary psychologist who has navigated life without bumps and bruises and hurts and pain mm -hmm. and all of that stuff because you've got the theory and the knowledge, right? Yeah. That they need to see the full you. Exactly. I remember having a conversation a while ago. I was telling my daughter that I was having some conflicts with a, a dear friend of mine and things had really broken down and I was expressing sadness and also just, um, not sure where I went wrong with this. And my daughter turned to me and she says, mom, wow, it's good to know that you as an adult have problems with friends as well. Wow. And I thought, oh, you know, um, it was just an affirmation again. And she had this look in her face of just um, empathy, but also like solidarity, I guess is best way yes. of saying like we're in this together. Yes, that you don't have it all worked out. We don't out. have it all worked out. Yeah, that you haven't arrived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Viola uh, Davis goes on to say that part of being in the acting industry is that she faces a lot of criticism oh, yeah. and rejection. And, and especially being a woman of color, yes. she has experienced her fair share of it. And she'd been always told, you just need to develop a thick skin, a thick skin. And, you know, we talk about that. And I do hear some value in that. But what she says, which I love... What they don't tell you is that your thick skin will keep everything from getting out too. Ooh. Love, intimacy, vulnerability. I don't want that. Thick skin doesn't work anymore. I want to be transparent and translucent. For that to work, I won't own other people's shortcomings and criticisms. And then one of her life rules is, I will allow myself to be seen. <sighs> wow. Like sit on that. The Enneagram 8s are freaking out right now. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Because that's a scary th- place to be, to be yeah. seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, f- for her, it comes out in her work, her acting, that she's willing to go to those places mm-hmm. to, to connect with her audience. Yeah. And we are not in her intimate circle, but she's willing to do that for us. Yeah, she just seems like a real person yes who's got solidity to who she is and that's that certainly comes across in her craft of acting doesn't it yeah wow yeah that is huge Mm -hmm. yeah so now what what would be a good life coaching exercise (sighs) okay so I thought about this one because quite frankly some of these some of the topics that we choose are kind of hard to put in a little exercise, right? Mm-hmm. But I... Well, recognizing it's just a start. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so this is what I would I would think about in this one. What words do you want to be true of you? Mm. You know, when you think about yourself. Right. What words do you want to be true of you? Right. And what would you, what words would you like to authentically live out and have left as a legacy to those closest to you? Wow. So, you know, you were talking about your conversation with your daughter. You know, that would be, you would want to live authentically so that she is able to see you as a whole person, not just mom. Right. 
as a woman mm-hmm. who has friendships mm-hmm. that often are difficult mm-hmm. and you hold the pain of that mm-hmm. and the loss of those friendships, right? Mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. there's a vulnerability and authenticity there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so what words would you like to be true of you? What words would you like to authentically live out and have left as a legacy to those closest to you? And I love that Viola Davis has a life rule. I think my life rule would be, I will allow my inner life to be seen by those that matter most to me. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to know me Mm -hmm. and my inner world, Mm -hmm. just like you displayed for your daughter. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm wrestling with this. So... Um, maybe I'm not being as articulate or as eloquent as I would normally be mm-hmm. because this is getting me at a deep level too. Yes, it is. And the, 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 the you know, it, it pushes against your fear of vulnerability. Sure it does. Yeah. For sure. So, uh, so listeners, yeah. Think of some words, mm-hmm. uh, think of how you want to authentically live. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would be one of your life rules? Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, for the therapeutic tip, on this, um, I I think that uh, you know all, all of what we've talked about comes with its share of pain in your life. Yes, and I would like you to do honor to your pain. I don't want you to be absorbed by your pain and controlled by your pain, but I want you to do honor to your pain because your pain has taught you some super important lessons. Wow. So don't run away from it, but let your pain bring meaning to your life. And uh, we've talked about different exercises like this before. And depending on where you're at in your journey, if you feel that it's a scary place to go, absolutely encourage you to do it with uh, a a great psychotherapist. Um, But if you can, is even just to reflect on some themes in your life where you have experienced pain. And like I said, give honor to it. And then if you are a um, Christian, to pray about how God is redeeming that in your life. Because I can tell you, not only has he and will continue to use your pain to uh, grow you and grow your faith, but absolutely it's part of the gift he wants to give to this world. Absolutely. And I think of all those, like I, I think of um, uh, actors who have given us uh, like Viola Davis, you know, she's given us this gift of her pain. Yeah. Um, and it's it's reached us across the screen. But there are writers that have written their stories, I think, of many that we've mentioned previously on our podcast, um, where they've written out of their pain, mm-hmm. but it's in order to give hope That's because right. they've experienced hope from That's it. That's right. And so, um, wow, we can give hope to each other as a result of our pain, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks for listening in. See you next time. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.